Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. Heather Brooks Carrots is a senior sports executive with confidence, charisma, and one who challenges herself to take on big roles. She's a triple threat. Today, she talks about transition, when to go, why to go, and how to make it smooth. She's a master networker who ends every conversation considering who she might be able to introduce that person to. I'm thrilled to bring this interview to the Leadership is Female podcast so that you can get to know and learn from Heather Carrots. Right now, Heather's in the middle of a transition. She was named president of the LA Wildcats in the XFL in 2019 and sprinted to the start of a grand opening of a league and a men's professional football team in LA. And it was successful. And then the pandemic hit, the league closed, and Heather was now in another transition. What's the outlook? Nothing but positive. Her work speaks for itself, and it says A+. She's spending her time as an advisor at Buzzer, a disruptive sports media mobile app. Everything this woman does is exciting. I hope you really hear why she gets these opportunities. She's networking with her eyes wide open, can articulate the contributions she's made to the organization she's worked for at the drop of a hat, and refuses to be put into the, quote, lawyer box. Join us today and learn from Heather, a successful sports executive and one to watch. I know you'll agree with me that this woman has had an incredible career so far and taken on major roles and done incredible things, but somehow she's still in act one. Join me and Heather and level up today. So excited today on the Leadership is Female podcast to have Heather Brooks Carrots, senior sports executive who has worked on various sides of the industry, former president of the LA Wildcats and now advisor at Buzzer. Welcome. We are so thrilled you're here. Thanks so much for having me, Emily. It's great to be here. My pleasure. So I want you to do the intro. You have an incredible career so far. Um, Tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got there. I just feel so lucky to have had the career that I've had in sports thus far. And I still feel like I'm young and there's so much more to do, which is really fun and exciting. But um, I grew up on the East Coast and I was an athlete. I was a gymnast until I was 13 when I retired. And then I picked up soccer, basketball, which I think you played as well, and, and also ran track. So I really just loved being an athlete and playing whatever I could. And I came from parents who were very successful physicians. And my mom was one of the only women in her med school class. So 
I knew I had a sense growing up of what it was like to be a woman breaking barriers because my mom was a great, great role model for that. But they also taught me that med school and law school were the only paths in life. And so I had to pick one. And I quickly ruled out medicine and said, I guess I'll be a lawyer. Um, and at the time I said, uh, you know, I was going to go to law school and figure out how to fuse that path into sports. So I went to Vanderbilt undergrad and then started my law degree up at Fordham in New York. And while I was there, I got a break and I got to work at the NFL. And I worked in the management council, which was a division that deals with the collective bargaining agreement and disputes between players and teams. And it was really for me a great um, sort of graduate degree in how the sports industry works, how leagues are structured, what a CBA means, and all the different issues and departments and people that are required to make the sports industry continue to hum. And I loved it. And I was hooked. And I said, I got to figure out how to be, be more integrated into this business. I ended up transferring out to UCLA and finishing my law degree out on the West Coast because I wanted to focus my studies more in sports and entertainment. And most of my advisors at the time said, you know, you'd be great in sports, but we usually don't hire people out of law school. So you got to go to a law firm and figure it out from there. So I went to a big firm and was a labor and employment litigator. Um, never what I wanted to do in my life, but I knew that it was a, an important step along the journey to figure out how to break into the sports business. Um, spent some time there and then for personal reasons, moved back to New York. So I am a pro at cross country moves at this point. And I you know, started networking, but it was really the first time in my life I was in my mid twenties. And it was the first time where the clear next step in the path wasn't apparent. And I needed to take some time to think about who I was and what I wanted to do in life. And I think that's an, a journey that never ends. But at the time, I ended up starting a blog, uh, which led itself into starting my own business and taught me a lot of lessons while simultaneously networking with folks in the sports business to figure out my next move. My business actually sort of grew and became something really interesting. But at the same time, I got a call from one of your other guests on this podcast, Jessica Berman, who is now a close friend of mine, who said, you know, hey, I'm a lawyer at the NHL where we, we may have a work stoppage on the horizon. We'd love to have another lawyer in-house to help us with labor negotiations. And I jumped at the opportunity because, A, Jessica's amazing, and I wanted to spend some more time working with her, but also to be in the league office again at a really critical time and have a seat at the table, even though I'd be the most junior person there, at least I would have a seat and I'd be exposed to all the things that were going on with labor negotiations. So it was at the NHL, there was a work stoppage, we negotiated a new CBA, and after about a year, I started thinking about what was next. Um, my husband and I then moved back to LA, and I helped start Relativity Sports, which became the third largest agency in the country for player representation. We had over 300 athletes in the NFL, NBA, and MLB. We were the first agency to really connect to Hollywood, so we were partnered with the studio here. We did a lot of sports productions and integrations with our talent into all kinds of film, television, and digital projects. Um, was a great journey. Um, there's a saga there that I could tell you over a bottle of wine one day. Um, but I ended up leaving after about three years while I was pregnant with twins and on bed rest and decided to take some time again to, to clear my head, think about what was next. And I got connected to the LAFC ownership team. And this was when that MLS club was just launching and we were starting to think about building a stadium in downtown Los Angeles. 
And this was unlike any MLS team that had come before. And there was no real roadmap that really fit from the MLS history to follow. So I was able to meet with the management and the ownership team and say, let me come in and be your general counsel, but also be your EVP of sort of business development and really help think about what it's what it means to build a stadium, a training facility, freeway billboards, concerts and festivals, retail, restaurants, merch, and launch a team all in a short timeline and really be the glue that puts it all together. So they agreed and I was able to create this role for myself and we had an incredible run. Um, I'm sure some of your listeners have followed, but really one of the most successful expansion team launches in history and um, loved every minute of it. I, I sat in this hybrid seat doing a lot of everything legal, but also doing a lot of the business deals. Um, stepped in and really managed our naming rights deal with Bank of California, our media rights deal with YouTube television, and really enjoyed the ride. But after about two years, we, we built this great machine and we were in season two and there weren't a lot of hurdles on the horizon for me. And I really like challenge and I'm not so good at cruise control. You know, my mom was telling me I, you have, I had two little kids at the time and they were just like, just enjoy it. You work so hard, you know, enjoy being a mom with your little ones. And I, I just was thirsty and hungry to do more. And I got a call from a recruiter about the XFL. Of course, I was a little bit skeptical at first, but the more I dug in, I said, this is unlike any league that has launched before. Our TV partnerships with Fox and ESPN were unprecedented. And for me personally, it was an opportunity to be opportunity to launch a league from the ground up that was uh, had a lot of resources and also to be the president of an organization to build a vision, build a team around it and then go execute. And I wanted to take that on. And it was a wild, amazing ride. Um, we did it very successfully. Uh, we made it to about se- uh, week five of the season until the COVID pandemic hit, which was incredibly unfortunate and nothing that anybody could have foreseen, but it led to the XFL shutting down. And that was about eight, nine months ago. And since then, we've obviously seen this industry get hit really hard. And I've sort of taken a step back to, again, reset and think about what I want to do next and really use it as a time for networking. So I've had some amazing conversations that have led to various opportunities, one of which I know we'll talk a little bit about today. But I've started advising a startup entity called Buzzer which is a mobile app that's going to be launching in Q2 that is really transformative to the sports media landscape and ecosystem, which is really exciting. So it's been really fun to stay engaged in a new product while I also think about what's next. That is a heck of a story. And you're still so early in your career. As you stated in the beginning, you've got so much left to do, so much left to give and um, an incredible energy. And I want to jump in to the LA Wildcats and how that all unfolded. But first, I want to talk about LAFC. And you touched on how it was so different um, from any other MLS club that had, had started. Extremely successful, star-studded launch. What was it like to be a leader on the inside? And do you have a great story that you could share with us? I don't know if you can pick one, but <laughs> let's hear it. Well, it's it's very unique to be able to launch a team from day one. I mean, you're really like building something out of thin air. So, I mean, for sure, the best memory is when we open the stadium day one, watching the fans funnel in. I, I've now done this twice with the XFL and with LAFC, but I always like to find a quiet little seat 
up in the 200 level somewhere where nobody can find me and I just soak it in. And that to me was the most rewarding moment because something that started as an idea became a reality that touched so many people's lives. And that's what I love about sports is that, you know, when you walk down the street with a stranger today, you're not going to high five them COVID or not, right? It's just not normal. But when you're sitting next to a stranger in a stadium and something great happens, you're going to high five and it's going to bring two people together that never would have been able to connect before outside of a sports related environment. And LFC really brought a lot of that community and as did the Wildcats to Los Angeles. So seeing that come to life was incredibly rewarding. Um, but also it was fun. I, we had one road game with, that I went on with Will Farrell, who is such a soccer fanatic and so fun. It was just incredible to have personalities like that on the LAFC bandwagon who were you know, so into it and help bring it alive. So cool. And I, I agree. And I tell my staff all the time, take a seat in the stadium. You spend so much time running around trying to get your job done with excellence, but you've got to sit down and absorb that hard work. And also you learn a lot when you're just sitting in the seat, listening to the fans, seeing the way that they take in the game. I think that's really important. And um, you really painted a very cool picture of of what it was like on that opening opening game. Following that position, you were named president of the XFL team in LA, the Wildcats. Talk to us about that experience from your celebrated hiring to then the closure of the league that I think took us all uh, by shock after seeing the success um, on TV and and of those deals and really looking at that league with great admiration and then ultimately COVID closing the doors. Yeah, it's, it's been a wild year, but I will say from day one, my first meeting with the McMahon family, and then also Jeffrey Pollack, who was the president of the league, I knew they were thinking about it differently. I mean, I was the first person that Jeffrey interviewed for a president role of the team. And just the idea that he would interview a woman first and think about it differently was something that made me open my eyes and really consider the opportunity. Secondly, I had a very clear vision of what I thought was going to work for the XFL nationally and for the LA market in particular. And fortunately, that was something that I was, you know, that, that the McMahon family and the rest of the executive team at the XFL was behind. So to be able to go somewhere with a vision and build a team around it and then have this platform to go be a female president of a professional men's football team while doing something you really believe in, because we were all about making sure that the game was affordable and accessible to everybody in LA, which is not the case for a lot of our teams here. Um, I was really excited and I I jumped right in. I spent about the first six months uh, really helping build the league infrastructure based on my background with the NHL and the NFL. It was just a natural fit for me. And then from there, I, I, I transitioned to really being the face of the LA franchise. And I'm sure you've seen some of the clips, but I would just say it every day because I truly meant it, that this had to be a team that the fans built, not a team that I was building with my staff in a box. And so every day we wanted to make sure that our fans had a voice. So if some if parking pricing was important or game day entertainment was important or what the merch looked like, Whatever those priorities were for our fans, we wanted to make sure that we heard them, we listened, and we took them seriously to make sure that whatever we were delivering was a reflection of LA and of what our fans wanted. And that was critical to our message in LA, and that continued to permeate throughout um, all eight XFL markets. 
Uh, again, so much fun uh, working with Coach Moss, who was a great personality, all the players who really, you know, were looking for a platform. You know, these are guys too who are just trying to do play the game that they love. And we were able to give that. Our fans who had so much fun in the stands, thank you for supporting. And of course, my staff. I mean, our staff jumped right in, got their hands dirty, and made the impossible happen by launching a league and all of these eight teams in such a short time frame and doing it with remarkable success. Our ratings were really good, our attendance was great. Our fan satisfaction numbers were in the high 90th percentile just in week five of our first season. So there was so much potential there. And I think everyone got to see it, which was great. So I I am very excited for the new XFL ownership group and for the league to come back. I think it's going to be very successful um, and I'll be cheering them on. Yeah, I think you laid down a couple of important reminders for sports executives and people working in sports is listen to the fans. They are what make your team the team. And I mean, you weighed in with them on every decision and ultimately that resulted in a great business. So I think that's really, really important to, to highlight. And if we can get a little vulnerable for a moment here, let's talk about the moment when you found out the news about the league. What did you do? And then what did you do after that? Did you decide to take some time off? jump right into new projects. How can you help us learn how to transition? Well, tough question. I wish I had like taken some amazing trip because I had just launched LAFC and gone through that roller coaster. But no, um, we, we had a clock ticking. I mean, when I was hired, we had less than a year until kickoff of our first game. So there was no time for a break. I had to dive right in and I was excited to do it because I wanted to make sure that we were going to be successful at what we did. So it was amazing to get the news and everyone at LAFC was incredibly gracious and supportive of the transition, which is really important when you think about what you're going to do next is making sure you maintain the relationships um, that you built prior. Um, Then I jumped into TV and radio and being the face of something that was also very new for me, press conferences, all of it, but I loved it. I loved it. And I, I, I hope I did the city of LA proud because I really did believe and authentically try to show through our actions that we were building something for them, you know? So, so that, that felt really, really rewarding. I think when I think about all the transitions and I I've had a lot of them, I will be honest about it. I've gotten to do a lot of different things is every transition really has to be for the right reasons. And while you may not know what your end goal is in five, 10, 15 years, you need to make sure that your transitions that you're taking in your career are going to be additive to your story, right? And you want to make sure that you're going to be in an environment with great leadership that wants to cultivate your career and that you're going to get a set of responsibilities that are going to teach you new things and give you new experiences so that whatever happens with that journey, when you go think about the next chapter, you've got new things to talk about and new things to share and add value forever you're going to, wherever you're going to land next. You guys, we have a new website, leadershipisfemale.com. Please visit us and know that we are here to help get you to the top faster. Are you a career female looking for an edge? Are you looking for answers on how you can level up? Our purpose is to bring interviews with female leaders in sports each week through this podcast, Leadership is Female, so you can uncover opportunities, hear tips to elevate your career, 
learn from our mistakes and successes so that you can get to the top faster. We're giving you all the advice we know now that we wish we knew then. We're extending a hand back to lead you forward. Let's go. Visit leadershipisfemale.com. Join our newsletter. Check out all the episodes of the podcast and stay tuned for more resources to lead you forward. Leadershipisfemale.com. Throughout this season of Leadership is Female, I've talked with several founders of the Pro Sports Assembly. I'm glad to become a founder too and invite you to join us at prosportsassembly.com. We are the Association for People Who Work in Professional Sports. Our core purpose is the advancement of diverse and inclusive leadership. From finance to innovation, operations and sales to social responsibility, marketing, human resources, and analytics, the Assembly aims to ensure pro sports has a diverse and talented pipeline to lead these efforts and more. Visit prosportsassembly.com to learn more. That's such a key highlight, maintaining the relationships at the departure and then making the moves for the right reasons. And those right reasons are oftentimes really personal. It's about your career development and where you feel that you can best add value. And keeping that consistent at the core has led to some incredible opportunities for you. And speaking of new opportunities, right now you're with Buzzer. Talk a little bit more about that. You're an advisor. The company is remote. You're launching a new disruptive app in Q2. Give us a little bit of, uh, of insight into to what it is, what you're trying to accomplish, and uh, what we can expect when the product's available. Absolutely. So everyone should check out Buzzer online and sign up so that you can get emails and notifications for when we go live. But essentially, we're a mobile app that is trying to provide a new category for live sports rights consumption. So when you think about Gen Z, they don't want to watch a three-hour game. They don't want to subscribe to multiple cable packages or subscription platforms. And because sports rights are now so fractured, you've got to get multiple subscriptions to be able to watch everything you want to watch, right? And But the same fan, that same Gen Z fan, loves following highlights and clips and their athletes on social media. So how can we find a middle ground? So what Buzzer is doing is essentially we're licensing rights, uh, live sports rights directly from the leagues. And you'll have an app where it's based on a data algorithm or a profile you set up and you'll get push notifications on your phone. So imagine it's saying Lakers down by one, two minutes left in the game. Do you want to watch? And with a quick swipe, you'll be able to authenticate through one of your subscriptions and watch for free or through a micropayment. You'll be able to watch that, you know, last few minutes of the game. And we think it's a great tool for content discovery as well, because sometimes I don't even know who's playing, when it's on, where to find it. And this way I'm getting a ping reminder. And I know we've tailored this product for Gen Z, but I think of it as a mom where I was like, I would love to watch all these sports games, but frankly, I can't find the time to sit down for three hours or let alone keep track. So if somebody was pinging me saying, oh, now's the time to tune in. I, you know, I'm really, really excited about the potential for Buzzer. So Bohan is the founder. He used to run live sports rights at Twitter. Amazing guy. And, you know, he's building out a team that I can fortunately add some value to in, in these last few months, really on the partnership side and operation side. And I'm so impressed by the commitment and the culture and the community of Buzzer. I think it's something really unique about this startup. We have about 25 or so employees across 15 different cities, and we do everything remote. 
So um, I've never seen a culture like this where everyone feels truly connected to the outcome. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it every day because it's also something potentially transformative to the industry that we're in. Yeah. I mean, the, the technology sounds incredible and to be able to be up to speed and watch those, those games resolve live is incredible. Um, you're right. The marketplace is getting a little bit confusing on how to consume the content that you're looking for. What subscriptions do you need? So it sounds like you're centralizing that for, for your users. And I want to ask you about the remote environment. We've all been thrown into it. Some of us will get back to reporting to a physical space um, outside of our home every day. Some of us will transition to staying at home. Do you have any tips for remote work, both personally and then also for connecting with your colleagues? Yeah. Well, for me, it's been a silver lining. After having traveled so much and kind of been MIA as a, as a wife and a mom, I've now been so hands-on for the last year. And I'm grateful for that because I really think it's going to make me stronger as an executive in the long term. Um, so I, 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 w- I don't want anyone to think that they shouldn't be enjoying that time because it's really just going to make everything stronger for them going forward, I think. Uh, but when you think about going back, I mean we're definitely going to see companies transition and you're going to have more people working remotely because we're seeing it work and that's okay, but we've got to make sure to maintain human connection. So we do a lot of things at buzzer where we have these like quick team huddles and we talk about something that's totally unrelated to what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Like if you were a superhero, what would your power be? And it sounds kind of kitschy just talking about it, but it's really good way to bond with people like you would in the kitchen in an office work environment. And I think that's been helpful. Um, I also think we, we really need to make sure not to be too hard on ourselves and our staff because the boundaries today are kind of non-existent. So, you know, just take it all in stride and everyone has a different work cadence, a different personal cadence. And just remember that if, if people are having, have a good headspace, um, they're going to be more productive in the workplace. So I think when we all get this insight view into people's home spaces, like you are right now with me, I think you, I think you need to just recognize that we're not all wired the same way. Um, and then lastly, I've used this time to network. I have found that more people are willing to give up some of their day to spend time connecting, learning about what you're doing, discuss various subjects, and would encourage everybody to reach out on LinkedIn to whomever you're trying to connect with and and see if they can spend some time with you now. Great tips. One, if I can summarize, have have a little grace with yourself and also with your colleagues. Uh, Second, get to know one another. So those kitschy little icebreakers are actually quite valuable to start to build rapport with your colleagues if you can't see them face to face. And Heather, we do those when we're physically in the office as well, uh, force ourselves to, to ask those questions and do those icebreaking games. So why not transition that online? And then the third piece is making the time to continue to network and utilizing um, those digital spaces to have a little courage and reach out to somebody new and start a new conversation. So those are great. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I'm going to interject. I'm going to say one of your listeners, if I don't hear from somebody on LinkedIn <laughs> after this, <laughs> then yes. you got to take advantage. I, I'm happy to chat with folks because 
now's the time to sort of build out your network. You never know when these relationships come back full circle. Exactly. It's exciting. It's fun to meet new people and find that new energy. And I tell the listeners every week, check out the show notes. Heather has provided um, her her LinkedIn and where to find her on Twitter. So you can um, connect directly with her when this, uh, after you're done listening, of course. A lot of success for you so far in your career, successful transitions, big roles that you've taken. Can you identify a big hurdle that you've had to overcome in order to achieve um, what you have so far? Yeah, I think it's personal for everybody. But for me, one of the things that I always struggled with was trying to get out of the lawyer bucket. You know, you when you go to law school, I went into law school at a time when you would graduate from law school and you didn't have to go practice to be a lawyer. But when the economy tanked, um, you know, things changed and, and the job market changed. So, you know, I had to go to a big firm and, and go really the legal path to, and then break my way into the sports business. And that was fine because it taught me a lot. But it then kind of put this label on me that I was always going to be the general counsel or the lawyer. Or when I went on a phone call to negotiate a deal, I was labeled as the lawyer and the person who couldn't think with a business mind. And that was incredibly frustrating because I've always prided myself in being a legal minded person who always wants to get the deal done and figure out a way to solve a problem, not to create more problems. So, you know, it took time and really proving through action that that was something I was good at and I was never going to be a roadblock to a deal. And then from a personal career standpoint, I mean, I really had these hybrid roles with the hope that one day I would shed the legal title completely and, and really be on the business side and be the, you know, the face of an organization. Um, so once I was able to do that with the XFL and the LA Wildcats, I feel like I had finally transitioned and been able to shed that label uh, we'll see if it's forever, but at least in a way where I can lean back on my legal expertise, but not have that define who I am. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because I think it's not only for someone with, um, with a law degree who's passed the bar and, and practice, um, law it's for people who've accepted a community relations position. Maybe you go into CR with, with a company or an organization and, then you acquire the label of, well, this person's really good at spending our money. Um, so can you, let's dig into it just a little bit more, like that process of shedding the label, that process of acquiring additional skill sets, and then being able to articulate the fact that you can also do X, Y, and Z. What more can you tell us about that and, and how to really pursue that with excellence? So I think whenever you jump into a role, you have to show that you can accomplish the day-to-day responsibilities of that role. Once you get to that point, I think you need to start to push yourself a little bit more and try to expand beyond your lane a little bit and take on things that weren't expected of you, right? And just show that you're a go-getter, right? And if you're in marketing, but you really are interested in what the content side is doing, Spend some time with the content team and say, let me help you develop this concept so that it aligns really well with the marketing initiative that I'm working on. And then all of a sudden, you've got these projects that you've start to build up over time where you can point back to and say, I'm not just a marketing executive. I also do content creation and content development and production. And as you start to build that, when you start thinking about what you want to do next or even transitioning within the same organization, 
you have actual concrete examples that you can fall back on and it's not fluff anymore. It's not this dream. It's not this vision. It's, it's real projects. So wherever you at, I would take advantage as much as you can um, with what's going on in that organization. And I do feel that women sometimes, you know, what I felt in the past is that we're, we're a little more hesitant to insert ourselves and to take on things that aren't necessarily in our realm because we, we, we tiptoe a little bit where we don't want to invade in other areas and other people's responsibilities. Um, and I think if we, if we could be a little bit more vocal and proactive of, that, of our desire and our interest to engage in these other areas, then I think you know, the opportunities will continue to grow. Great tips there. Raising your hand, being proactive, being vocal about your other areas of interest, and then how you can contribute. It's about speaking up. That's how you get that seat at the table. We talked about the biggest hurdle. A little bit different from from that hurdle would be a tipping point. You know, you, you talked about earlier how sometimes you don't always know what's next. Like maybe you can call it a nonlinear path or um, you don't know where the next opportunity is going to arise. Can you identify one of those tipping points for you where you're in a place of success, you're wondering, okay, what can happen next for me? And then you hit that tipping point. I mean, look, I'm living in a place of uncertainty right now because I'm trying to evaluate a variety of opportunities as to what I do next. And I couldn't feel more fortunate for the experience I had at the XFL because it's put me in a, in a place where I've been able to show through action that I can take on more and that I'm at a level of seniority in the business and the industry that has, has primed me for a lot of exciting opportunities. Um, so for me, I think it's, it's kind of a point where I, I have to struggle personally a little bit with what I want to do next. And that to have that opportunity where professionally I've gotten to a place where there's luckily, you know, unique things on the horizon that I have the opportunity to go explore. And now it's a matter of what do I really want to do at this stage of my life? How do I want to spend my time? Who do I want to work with? And I have for sure realized that life is too short. So at the end of the day, no matter what I sort of dive into next, it's got to be with great people and something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. I'm reminded of a conversation I had recently uh, with Lara Overton, who is, she's with the Indianapolis Colts as a producer and reporter. And she said something similar about how the next jump wasn't about a specific title. It was more about what did she actually want to do? And I think a lot of times we get really tied up in, okay, what's that title? And you sort of get laser focused on procuring the job that has the specific title that you're looking for, rather than saying like, all right, I really enjoy and I'm really good at X, Y, and Z. And I like to be around these types of people. Like, think about it. You're spending the majority of your life with the people you work with. So why have we been conditioned to seek out titles and companies rather than what we really want? It's sort of perplexing. I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, we, we fight labels in every other context, so we should be doing the same professionally. It's You've got one life and you better be living it the way you want to live it. Um, so I totally agree with that. So true. So speaking of that, What's your best advice? What's your best piece of advice for women 
What can we do today so that we can level up and live our best life tomorrow? At least in the workplace, I would say work harder than everybody, stay laser focused, and don't be afraid to speak up. So one last piece of this podcast is to leave us with your favorite quote. I was thinking about this and I'm going to stick on the leadership training right now, but I would say leaders do not force people to follow. They invite them on a journey. Let that sink in. Think about who is leading you, who you are leading. Are you leading them on a journey? Great, great quote. Heather, this has been so much fun to hear from you, learn from you. Can't wait to see what you're doing next, what you're doing now. Just an incredible leader in the sports industry and um, a great person to know. So thanks for your generosity in welcoming all of our listeners to reach out to you. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. And thank you for being a role model to all of us. It's been really fun doing this. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, make every transition for the right reasons. What are the right reasons? The new experience is additive to your career personally and provides a new set of experiences where you can add value. Number two, tips on remote work. Be patient with your coworkers and yourself. Get to know your coworkers personally by playing Q&A games on video calls. It works. And finally, use this time to build your network. Say yes to a call request as time allows and also be brave on your own reach outs. Number three, when it comes to labels on your set of professional experience, work to shed those labels and broaden your experiences where your interests lie. And number four, sometimes you have to struggle personally for a minute to help you determine what you want to do next. Embrace it. Hey leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to this show if you have not done so already, because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen so you don't miss out. And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag Leadership is Female on your Instagram stories to talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you are inspired by? If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at leadership is female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today, because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? 
we will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.